Extra, extra, you could read all about it. But let my boy PL tell you about it. Extra point, yeah, yeah. Extra point. Extra point, yeah, yeah. Extra point. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to a brand new live edition of the Extra Point Show. Your host, Mr. P.L. Coulter, coming to you as I do each and every Friday from 11 to 1. That's a.m. to p.m. Getting you to and through your lunch break on a beautiful, warm, and sunny day here in Arlington, Texas. Home of Fishbowl Radio Network. Make sure you log on and join in today. FBRN.us is where it goes down. Your boy batting leadoff in Studio C. <clears throat> now, I got a ton of sports to get into today. It's really for the sports nerd in you. I missed you. Hope you had a great week. I always look forward to getting on the mic and talking some sports with you for a couple of hours each week, especially this time of the week when you're nearing uh, your week end. So if you're on the grind right now, keep on grinding and um, slide on down that dinosaur when that clock strikes for you. Um, now, Again, we got a jam-packed show today. We're going to do a comprehensive preview of the NBA playoffs. The first mount, first round matchups uh, have all but been decided. We're going to get into a comprehensive um, breakdown of both conferences in hour number two. Make sure you uh, keep it here for that. Um, we're going to do that on Facebook Live at the 12 o'clock hour. We're going to jump on Facebook so we can interact with the peeps, get some of your Thoughts and content live on the era. I'm going to talk some Cowboys later on in our number one as well. Before we get started, I want to start with a program note. Yeah, boy. Mr. P.L. Coulter himself will be a guest on Marcus Stone's Unapologetic Hustle tomorrow from 11 to 1. That's a.m. to p.m. <laughs> Marcus has um, has graced us a couple of times with his presence on the show, so I'm going to return a favor and do a rare uh, road game um, on his turf. Looking forward to that. That's going to be at FBRN.us as well. Tomorrow from 11 to 1, I'll make sure to uh, shout you all out before that starts. I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure we'll hear from Mr. Stone in hour number two when we get on the Facebook live side of things. Now, <clears throat> for those that uh, missed the show last week, and I couldn't blame you if you did. I actually went on at 8 o'clock a.m., had to get some work done, so we had to work around that. Um, so if you missed the show last week, you missed my rant on the one thing about uh, sports that I forgot about and didn't account for when I was clamoring and begging and pleading and kicking and screaming for sports to return after four months of no sports. And that was just how cruel sports could actually be. In a week's time, I saw my Memphis Grizzlies blow a three and a half game lead in seven days. <laughs> That's almost mathematically impossible. My Texas Rangers, they started out slow out of the gate. They were in last place last week in the American League, one of the worst hitting teams in all of baseball. Just cruel. And... I cried out to Jesus. I cried out, Porque. And the answer that I got this week 
was not any better. On the heels of Mike Grizzlies damn near blowing a uh, uh, insurmountable lead to force a playing game for the playoffs and the Rangers looking like they were out of it before it even started, the sports gods reared back their hind leg and kicked me square in the nards. <laughs> the Big Ten announced earlier this week that they will not be having football in the fall. Now, you know me. You've been knowing me a long time. You, <laughs> When have you seen me not talk your ear off about Michigan football from September through December? You can be knowing me for 30 years, and that would have been the case every single year, every solitary year. For the first time since... <laughs> Zippers and patent leather was was uh, was acceptable attire to wear on your britches at the club. The Michigan Wolverines will not be running out on the big house and hitting that banner. And we won't be hearing the fight song. I just <laughs> I'm just at a loss for words. I'm at a loss for words right now. I mean, <laughs> Really? No football. I waited all spring and summer, quarantine in the house, and I ain't got no Michigan football. DJ. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that is the life of PL Coulter, the sports fan. I need y'all to keep your boy lifted in prayer. (laughs) That's awful. Oh, boy. We're going to get into that real heavy. But um, before we do, I had no intention on doing a SYAD for this week because I was I was still trying to pick up the broken pieces of my heart when the Big Ten announced that they weren't going to do any football. But my boy, Andrew Thomas Merriman, a.k.a. Deemer, a.k.a. Drew Diddy, a.k.a. Thason Beats, a.k.a. the voice behind Extra Extra, you can read all about it sent me something via text this morning and I had to go verify to make sure that this was true <laughs> because it did it, it, I mean come on man I didn't think anyone was that stupid but apparently according to Drew and according to ESPN staff writer Brady Henderson someone is so I'm, I would be remiss if I missed the opportunity to tell someone to SYAD and for you newbies to the show welcome SYAD simply means sit yo ass down sit your ass down you're doing too much (laughs) and today's worthy recipient is seattle seahawks cornerback kima siverand well let's just say former seattle seahawk cornerback kima siverand now according to brady henderson of uh, espn.com The Seattle Seahawks waived the rookie earlier this week after he was caught on video trying to sneak a woman into the team's hotel, a source confirmed to the network. The NFL Network first reported the circumstances of Silverin's release, noting that the woman was wearing Seahawks gear and attempted to disguise herself as a player. (laughs) As my mama would say, boy, you a new fool. Just when we thought we've seen it all, a kid, and and mind you, not Russell Wilson trying to sneak Sierra in there, not uh, 
uh, Jamal Adams, not a star like Tyler Lockett on the team whose spot is secured either way. We're talking about an undrafted rookie cornerback, free agent, that went un- he went undrafted out of Oklahoma State and received a $2,000 signing bonus from Seattle, which was tied for the third smallest bonus among Se- Seattle's 17 undrafted free agents. So, in, it, so you work all your life. You go through four years of college to, to get a chance to play in the NFL. You don't get drafted, so obviously you're teetering anyway. You get to the, to, the, to the complex, and they haven't been there but about a week, and you get caught on video trying to sneak a side piece, a jump off, into the complex, disguising her as Russell Wilson? <laughs> what the? <laughs> you can't even make this stuff up. What the hell is that? <laughs> okay, and so instead of maybe uh, betting on yourself and turning that 2000 into $2 million, in the near future, you're out of a gig, and I shudder to think what GM would now take a choice. Uh, I mean, take a, a a flyer on a player with such poor choices and with such lack of discipline. My cousin Sonia, lover to death, she used to say this all the time in regards to women because there's a lot of male cousins in our family, and she was one of the Lone Ranger females that would run with the clique, and she would say, "Damn, is it a million dollars?" When speaking of making questionable decisions regarding a female, is it a million dollars? Was the question she would ask us routinely as we stared into the sky and contemplated no. But in this case, I'm literally asking you, bruh, is it a million dollars? I sure hope you got your money's worth. (laughs) I sure hope that woman was worth losing a shot at a football career over you imbecile. <laughs> Sir, Mr. Silverin, there's a chair right over there in the corner. I need you to sit your ass down in it. And don't you get up out of that chair until you get some common sense, which apparently isn't all that common nowadays as we digress. Thank you for that one, Drew Diddy. That was unbelievable. So back to the big story of the week. It's the, the uh, Pac-12 And the Big 12 announced that they will be canceling fall sports, including football, most notably and namely football, uh, to my chagrin, to my shock and horror. Um, They made the announcement, which was odd, because just last week I was reading off the Big 10 schedule and and applauding the fact that Michigan didn't have to play Ohio State on Thanksgiving weekend, which was curious. And and trust me, believe you me, that the Big 10 and the Pac-12 took a beating over social media about that. I mean, come on now. No football in the Big Ten? You, we're supposed to be the big boys. What in the world? Now, the Pac-12, I get it. <laughs> Y'all ain't been too relevant lately as it relates to the college football playoffs, but damn it, the Big Ten is a staple of the of the college football community. So hurt by this. <laughs> what in the hell? Now, apparently, early in the week, there was a vote. And I believe it was 10 to 2 of the 12 schools. The only two schools voting to play was um, Iowa and Nebraska, which means that Michigan, my beloved school, voted no. Which, if you follow this show, you know that I told you a few a few weeks ago that if Michigan votes no, ain't nobody in the Big 10 playing. 
because Michigan is one of the few teams that has the cachet in the football world to make that type of decision not based on football reasons. We'll get into a little bit more of that later. Um, Ohio State also, the putrid suck that they are, the pissants in scarlet and gray that they are, voted no to. They voted no to, so you Ohio State fans, don't come running up on us. <laughs> don't go talking about the SEC. Don't go talking about nobody. Got to, we got to hold this L. We're a laughing stock right now, and the reason why we are a laughing stock is because on the heels of that announcement, when it was already reported that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were trying to enlist the other Pac, I mean Power Five conferences to join them, the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC said, mm-mm, mm-mm. Y'all quit all y'all want to. We are going to proceed forward. Mm-mm. <laughs> uh-uh. Now, here's the thing that, that kind of baffles me about this whole situation. And riddle me this. You know, let me know. This is an interactive show. You're just as part of, of this show as, as myself hosting it. You you help, help me with this. Maybe, maybe I'm missing something. But COVID is COVID, right? COVID is COVID. But, I mean... Pretty much we, we understand while, of course, we're learning something new every day about how it's affecting us, you know, and, and going about our everyday lives. But we pretty much got the gist on how it's contracted and, and its effect and, and the demographics and the ages that it affects the most. We pretty much got a grip on that. So what baffles me is why the the Big Ten and the SEC would have a set of, of doctors that say one thing, that it's not safe to play. While the ACC, I believe um, their lead physician was a uh, a doctor out of Duke for the ACC that said that they have, I mean that they they should be safe, they should be fine, and that the ACC is going along with that. Um, and the SEC, you already know how they get down in the South with their football. The, I mean, it's going to take oh, <laughs> it's going to take more than COVID. It's going to take a zombie apocalypse to drag those SEC teams off the field. And no, I mean, we, we still have yet to see them play a game. But as it stands right now, as a Big Ten fan, it's kind of like, ooh. We're looking a little soft. <laughs> but my thing is, why why were these conferences given such um, disparate, you know, such a disparity in the information that they were given? How could one conference receive two thumbs up to go ahead while another conference um, shuts down football, a billion-dollar operation when you count the collective money uh, that they're going to be losing from the TV network deals, the gates, individual schools, things of that nature. Um, how, like, how can that not be the case? Now, I get it regionally. You know, if, if that's going to be your argument, I will I will listen to that argument because if you're in the Pac-12 and on the West Coast, Washington, California was hit hard a lot of their big, high-profile schools are in California, so that's a different circumstance than maybe um, what's going on in North Carolina, what's going on in South Carolina, what's going on in Virginia, or whatever. So I can see regionally how there could be um, a, a different level of of uh, of alarm depending on the state of your current city and how the COVID cases are either going up or down. I get that. But generally speaking, from a protocol standpoint, as far as uh, what kids would need to do and how they would need to do it, to, uh, Power 5 schools pretty much all have the, the resources to test the kids. I just don't understand what is the big difference between what was told to the Big Ten and what was told to the ACC. 
We have not received that information as of yet. There have been no specifics. There was talk about uh, a potential heart condition that could arise in athletes that the Big Ten kind of threw out there, but it was very vague, very veiled, um, it, and, and it wasn't specific, not anything that you can really sink your teeth into. So I'm really, I'm really confused by that whole um, mantra. Which, and that brings me to a question. With two diametrically opposed views from conferences that serve the same purpose, what would be the, 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 the worst outcome? Like, like who, who do you think is going to have egg on their face when this is all said and done? Would it be worse for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 if the other three conferences go ahead and, and uh, complete a season and they overcome the obstacles and, and have a college football playoff that does not include those two conferences? I'm sure the fans of those uh, of those schools and the the student athletes of those schools would be livid that we let fear control um, the narrative and and control the way that that they do business. And you turn around and see another person who steps through the face of fear and goes ahead and completes not only completes the season but gets their money. <laughs> that could be that could be weaponized in recruiting going forward. Oh, you don't want to play for that conference, you know. You know, you know. If, if if the if a cloud roll over the stadium, they're gonna cancel the whole damn season. You can hear SEC coaches. You can hear Dabo Sweeney sitting on somebody's couch right now saying, "Do you really want to go play up there?" They don't even have the stomach for this. Down here, we played through monsoons. We played through hurricanes. We th- we played through uh, national tragedies, and we played through COVID. Would you come join us? Can you come extend your hand and grab this scholarship while it's piping hot off the stove? I can just see that happening. <laughs> and if you Michigan, if you Ohio State, what you going to say? Well, <laughs> we were thinking about the, the, the interest of the players, but if you're Justin Field, you like, oh, is that right? And the reason why I bring up Justin Field specifically is because the Big Ten didn't necessarily – cancel it in totality they kind of tried to pull an nba they're going to postpone it and revisit the subject in the spring now ryan day was just on record uh, two days ago saying that he wants the league to resume in january for the big 10 in what for in the in the great wise words of uh former philadelphia eagles running back uh ricky waters for who for what for who? Me, who, me? Playing January and I'm Justin Fields? And I'm a top five pick? Uh-uh. To play in a schedule where it's not going to be a college football championship? You're going to have to miss me with that, bro. By January, I've already turned the page. I'm looking for an agent. I'm working out with pro quarterbacks and pro receivers. I'm trying to get ready for my pro day. And even if they do push back the NFL draft, so what? You think you're going to get me out there from January to March busting my legs and my arm all up so when the, the, the summer comes around and, and it's time for the draft and it's time for, uh-uh. What, you, you think I'm going to go out there and risk uh, uh, tearing up my elbow, my shoulder, dislocating something? God forbid an ACL or, or, or uh, Achilles injury? I don't think so. If you're Nico Collins, wide receiver from Michigan, who's projected to go in the first round, you going to try it out there in January? Be running around in that Big Ten weather in January. You want to be in Northwestern in January? Ann Arbor? Columbus? In February? <laughs> Coach, miss me with all of that. <laughs> uh-uh. And 
We're talking about and if you're Ohio State, you gotta really be punched in the gut. You had a national championship contender with a Hosman front runner under center. You got pro athletes all up and down the roster. And if I was any one of them, I'd be like, hell no, on January football. I'm going pro, dog. <laughs> I'm going pro. If they love what they saw on tape last year, damn it, that's what they're going to have to take a leap of faith on to draft me because I'm not going to get out there and put out some bad film. I'm not going to get out there and get sick with COVID and, and miss half of it. I'm not going to get out there and potentially tear something and cost my family generational wealth. That ain't happening. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. <laughs> that ain't happening. Who, who's doing that? <laughs> Big Ten, it's a wrap for football this year. I'm going to just tell y'all right now. It is a wrap. Pac-12, while you don't matter as much in the national landscape of us Southerners, it's a wrap. Let's just go ahead and hope that they can get a bubble together for basketball season because that, that ain't happening. <laughs> it's a wrap, and I am I still can't believe it. I'm still in shock about that. How in the world, when COVID hit in February, and then the, the, the city started locking down in March. That between that time and today, which is almost halfway through August, we're literally one day away from being halfway through August, and y'all couldn't figure out a way to get this done. Unbelievable. <laughs> Absolutely unbelievable. Sports gods, you are showing out. I see you. I see you. <laughs> My goodness gracious but you know coming up next i'm going to tell y'all the real reason that the pac-12 and the big 10 aren't having football seasons this year and i'll explain after a little throwback keith sweat it's the extra point
And we are back to the Extra Point Show. Your host, Mr. P.L. Coulter, in the house. Glad to have you with me today. We started off the top of the show talking about the Big 12 and the SEC deciding to cancel their football seasons, much to my chagrin. And while most people are pontificating on whether or not uh, there was a difference of, of opinion in medical um, advice that was given to these respective conferences as far as uh, their difference in opinion on whether to proceed for it or not, I don't think this had anything to do with medical advice. I think this had everything to do with legal advice. Let me back this up with a couple of receipts. Um, According to Tom Van Herring, ESPN staff writer, um, this was something that, that we discussed maybe a couple of weeks ago, but then it kind of died down as the NBA um, got rolling. And um, But I think that it should be discussed because I think that this is right at the heart of the matter. Um, if you all remember, the one of the first conferences on the heels of the George Floyd protest and the fallout from that, one of the, the first conferences in college football uh, to announce a, a players, basically um, a players union, a, a players association uh, that were going to demand certain things from their conference uh, or risk have the players walk out or not participate in uh, off-season workouts or, or, or anything of that nature. Um, that was the Pac-12. The Pac-12 was, was at the forefront of that movement. And uh, just to kind of catch you up on that, the athletes, and this is according to the article uh, by the writer I just referenced, the athletes are asking the conference to form a permanent civic uh, engagement task force to address social injustice issues, as well as an annual Pac-12 Black College Athlete Summit with at least three athletes from every school in the conference. In addition, now this is where it gets good, in addition, the letter says that the group wants the conference to direct 2% of conference revenue to support financial aid for low-income black students, community initiatives, and development programs for college athletes on campus. Now, it's one thing to have a players coalition and to have to make sure that the African American student athlete is uh, properly represented. Um, that's something that, that you can do what I, on a whim, and by whim, I mean within a matter of weeks or or something, because that's going to be far off. You can actually begin engaging in talks on how to plan that. But when you start saying to, that you want the conference to direct 2% of conference revenue to support financial aid for low-income black students, you're opening up Pandora's box there from a legal standpoint. First of all, is it even legal for them to allocate those funds that way? Second, if you're an Asian American, if you're uh, a Latino, if if you're Hispanic, if you're or whatever other race other than African American, are you going to feel a certain type of way that your race has been excluded from this conference revenue to support financial aid for low income? Because blacks aren't the only poor people in America. I mean, when you get to something like this, it gets a lot more convoluted. Um and it's something that you can't just fix other than to, to say, yes, we'll do it on a handshake, maybe. But that's nothing that you can implement and, and get the players to sign off on 
within a matter of weeks before, you know, the start of fall camp. That's going to be a lofty goal. Um, also, um, you know, that's, that's going to be a, a thing that will be that, – that I'm sure that all of the conference presidents would have to agree upon, um, be signed off by the conference commissioner, and there's got to be a ton of legal red tape that's going to be tied up in that in that particular. Now, um, uh, actually, one of the, um, the, the, the players, a Pac-12 player – um, basically says that y'all, this is cool and all, and, and, and this is a, a well-respected Washington player that's going to be a first-round pick. He basically said uh, in this, um, "I love football, you know. I'm lo- you know, but but what we're asking for is a little bit, you know, kind of pie in the sky. So we have to be realistic with our demands." on what can actually be done this year. I agree with that. Um you know, uh, you know, some you know, uh, no one believes in this day and age in the in the term of baby steps or progress as a process. Uh but to go from um being complete amateurs to leapfrogging to 2% of the of the conference's annual revenue which has got to be in the hundreds of millions of dollars will be allocated to low-income black families for financial aid. That's going to be a a, a deal that that that's going to be a process if you want to accomplish that that's a process for real and last week um i saw this you know on the uh, in a unrelated issue related but unrelated i saw an article on sports Ill- Ill- sports illustrated um that made me raise my eyebrow and i'll tell you why in just a second but the article was that the big 10 has now joined the pac12 with a player coalition and among the Big Ten player demands, now this came out like last week. So this was something that was kind of sprung at the last minute. Um, and this is an article um, that was, I want to make sure I give proper credit, by Jake Curtis of Sports Illustrated. Um, this is an article that highlights what the Big Ten players were asking of their conference. And to quote his article, he says, among the Big Ten players' demands were, Having third party having third parties administer COVID nineteen testing and enforce health standards penalties um, and the likes for non compliance whistleblower protections and banning COVID nineteen liability waivers. There it is. There it is. Banning COVID nineteen liability waivers. Now again, I told you earlier that the Big Ten had released their schedule. Um, last week in the middle of the week and right around that time this article came out and says that the players are are basically saying either you ban COVID-19 liability waivers or we're not playing I thought when I first saw it okay I see what they're doing they're trying to to wait so far into the last minute that the to catch the conference with their pants down like, damn, the, the, the season is only a couple of weeks away. We got to get these boys in training camp, get them ready, so we'll capitulate. But then a part of me thought, oh, man, y'all cutting this kind of close. Like, like there's, like there's really? You want to wait till now to spring this on? It's almost like the parent who, when, when your kid come up to you and say, hey, daddy, can you, can you take me to Walmart? And you're like, why? Oh, I got a school project due tomorrow. I need some construction paper and some glue and some. You're like, what? <laughs> Boys, 8 o'clock. Why didn't you tell me this? 
One of those situations. So I thought for, for a brief second, I thought, and I didn't tie these two together at the time um, because the Big Ten hadn't made their announcement yet. But I, I, I thought to myself, wow, y'all cutting this kind of close. Like, like, did you do yourself more harm than good doing it, you know, the first weekend in August to, to, to say that we can't have a liability waiver? Oh, boy. So they must really be ha- having their feet to the fire as far as wanting these things. And for good reason. I get it. They don't want to be held. Um, they, they don't want to be caught holding the bag and, and just be released like all the other college athletes that were once on scholarship. But once they got hurt or they were no longer beneficial or profitable to the program, then they would just let go and return back to, to their regular scheduled programs. I get that. But if you're the Big Ten and you're two weeks away from the start of the season and your commissioner is a lawyer, you're going to look at this like, okay, so if we give in to them and ban COVID-19 liability waivers, then who has to assume that liability? Those school presidents. Those school presidents that are not college football coaches. Those uh, school presidents who have a history in, uh, and a background in things other than sports, like medicine, it, it, or, or, you know, if you're the Big Ten, I'm sorry, if you're Michigan's president, you know, we're talking about, uh, like, Purdue, Northwestern, these type of schools, they don't have, uh, you know, former college football head coaches as their president. They don't give a damn about that. What they do care about is handing out a whole bunch of players some Barry Bonds type settlements where they get paid payable over their lifetime. Like, okay, well, this player under normal circumstances would have gotten drafted maybe in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, flamed out in a few years, made, you know, you know, a couple of uh, uh, hundred thousand dollars. And we're going to risk assuming millions if something happens or a player dies from contracting COVID on our campus. And we um, basically allow them to not have to sign a prenup. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-uh. And so that, that when, I, when I see it and I tie it together with the Big Ten and the Pac-12's announcement this week, it makes sense why Michigan and an Ohio State will vote no. Why? Because they have the most players with the most at risk. They have the most players that they're putting into the pros. They have the players that will be able to have the cachet and the legal representation to flood those universities with lawsuits. Really? <laughs> I mean, even signing the liability waiver as a, as a, uh, uh, a college student, you know, that, that might not even hold up in court. So I don't think this had much to do with COVID at all. I don't. I think so. I mean, yeah, in, in fact, uh, I mean, it does in the fact of the, the liability waiver itself. But this was all about liability. And I believe canceling uh, fall sports and with the hope of returning it in, into the spring gives them a, gives them time to come up with a counter proposal to where the sides can meet in the middle and have a uniform unified plan going forward for next season. Um, you and because if you're the Big Ten commissioner, if you're John Harbaugh, if you're Coach Ryan Day for Ohio State, the last thing on earth that you want to see, and the commission uh, as a whole, as the Big Ten or the Pac-12, the last thing that you want to see is or, or have the optics of is on September the 24th, a couple of days before the start of the season, your players walk out because you trying to make them sign some liability waivers. That that somehow this is some kind of diabolical plot that um, that they weren't just playing chicken. That if they do show up on campus and their demands aren't met, that they will walk 
with days left to go before the start of the regular season. If you're the Big Ten, if you're the Pac-12, you cannot have those optics. You just can't. To where they have you looking stupid and have a non-unionized group basically pull a strike like professionals? Uh-uh. <laughs> the Big Ten and the, and the Pac, that's just too much risk to assume. And basically, you're having to just trust the word of a bunch of 18 to 21-year-olds? Oh, yeah, no, we're going to show up. We're going to play. Oh, by the way, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Uh-uh. If I'm the Big Ten commissioner, I'm like, look, y'all, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you came to do. <laughs> but I'm about to cancel this season. Somebody help me now. Somebody help me. I'm about to cancel this season because these kids ain't going to have me hanging over a barrel. And then the presidents vote me out as commissioner because I let this happen on my watch. Uh-uh. I can't do it. So, yeah, the, the, the Players Coalition and the, and the school presidents are at a stalemate right now. Over legalities, not COVID. Not COVID. So, in, in that regard, I don't, I don't place blame on the players or on the schools. Both are trying to look out for their own best interests. You know, this is just this simple business. It's simple business. And maybe when we get into next season, where the um, where the where, where the players can start making money off their likeness and can start, you know, having a little side endorsement deals to maybe make them ease some of the concerns that they have now, um, or at least to, to give them something to counter with. You just can't take that risk of them uh, playing you out like that <laughs> in front of the entire country. Especially in front of your contemporaries in the SEC, the ACC, these other conferences that, that, that the players aren't bucking back because they just want to get on the field. Football is different here in the South. It just is. So um, with the SEC running roughshod over their players and ACC as well, you know, you don't want them looking at you like, man, <laughs> you just don't want them looking at you like that. So um, th so th don't, don't count on the Big Ten or the Pac-12 uh, changing their mind again and, and coming up off of this. And don't be surprised if the SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC follow suit if their players start turning up the pressure on these coalitions in their respective parts of the country. Just don't be surprised. <laughs> don't be surprised at all. Speaking of surprised, when we come back, Jerry Jones finally speaks but did he say anything? We'll discuss after a little throwback T-Pain and Young Jock. It's the extra point.
since the the start of the George Floyd protest and uh, the fights for social injustice and players in the NFL saying they were going to kneel, there had been one voice that was conspicuously missing from the conversation from the fray, and that's one, put a mic in my mouth, (laughs) uh, owner, and that's Jerry Jones, owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Them boys, America's team. Been silent. And we ain't heard a peep out of Jerry since he was on that uh, plush yacht picking up the 18th overall pick in the draft, Mr. C.D. Lamb, with his wife decked out in all blue looking like the Cowboy star on the helmet. That was a good look. (laughs) That was a good look from Mr. and Mrs. Jones. Life goals. Life goals. But he had been eerily quiet. And and the reason why that was so shocking to people is because um, during the Colin Kaepernick kneeling ordeal there was no one more vocal and more adamant and and more um concrete in his in his convictions than jerry jones as far as if you play for the dallas cowboys you will have toe online hand on heart standing for that flag or you won't be around here anymore that was his stance at the time now of course and with this go around of the protest there had been uh, a shift and the thinking of a lot of people as far as the initial handling of Colin Kaepernick, because when you see a man get murdered, 
on live television, it, it kind of changes things. So with the Cowboys um, opening training camp, the, the Joneses, Jerry and his son Stephen, who's basically president and co-owner at this point, um, they hand they they uh, have their annual State of the Union address that they that you know with the Cowboys start every um, every training camp, and so this this year was no different. Jerry finally uh, showed his face, and um, you know good and damn well he was asked <laughs> about his thoughts on the protest. He was asked about that, and one thing that I that I I will say. Uh, before I read his actual quote, um, I was I was one of the ones that that was not particularly disappointed or outraged that Jerry hadn't spoken up beforehand. Um, because what you gonna say? <laughs> what you gonna say? The footage is right there in your face. Like, like are you really gonna say that people don't have a right to protest a, a killing of that magnitude? You know what I'm saying? Like. Okay, so let's not get back into that. Um, I want to go ahead and, and get into his his policy. Now, Jones said, and this is by Todd Archer, who follows the Dallas Cowboys. He also works for ESPN.com. Um, but he's been a beat writer, and he's um, a local fixture here in, in the local sports talk radio scene in regard to them boys. Um, he states that Jerry Jones said that he talked to double handfuls of people, including President Donald Trump, a former president. Was that Barack Obama? Which former president? Don't y'all get me started today. And current and former players about what to do, a.k.a. in regard to how his team will handle uh, any type of anthem protest this fall. Now, Jerry basically said, told in a nutshell, I'm not giving y'all my plan on what I'm going to do about that. We're going to keep that in-house. And here's his exact quote uh, from that press conference. He states, we're going to show grace. I'm going to show grace. And I'd like to show that kind of grace on a sensitive matter, Jones said Wednesday, talking to the media for the first time in 109 days. Picking up the quote, everybody is genuine here. I'm giving everyone the benefit of the doubt relative to any decision that I make. I have one thing. My job is to run the Dallas Cowboys. My job is to do what's right. We've asked for all of this interest and we've asked for our players to give everything they've got. So I want to sit down when I have an issue. I have a decision to make. I want to show the world that I can do it with grace and come up with the right decision. I don't know what we're what I don't know um, what we're going to be faced with in a month or two. Um, but our players have always been open eared for anything that I have to offer, and I've always been open eared for what they have to offer, and that's what we'll do. When the issue arose in 2007, Jones uh, required his players to stand toes on the line for the anthem. He says regarding that, that was then, this is now. Now, that was a, a buzzword out of that entire quote that really got the people here in Dallas locally fired up. And that was the word grace. He says that he's going to have grace for uh, the people. And, and, and that got people fired up because in the Bible Belt South that we live in, there's predominantly Christian. Um, we associate grace with God's grace, meaning that God is going to still be kind and loving and forgiving and merciful to us, even though we're sinners and we do not deserve it, which people took the literal comparison to say, 
So what are you saying, Jerry, that you're going to give grace to these players because they're doing something sinful and bad and immoral, but you're going to show them grace because this is a sensitive matter? Uh, a lot of people took that and ran with it. Um, but I want to caution those people to, to not headline grab. Uh, I'm going to defend Jerry on this particular instance as far as the word grace, because if you read the whole uh, the whole thing in its totality, he said that he's going to have grace for the player's sensitivity to wanting to kneel, and he's also going to have grace for the people who want to uphold and protect the, the flag. Now, yes, we we know now that the protest is not about the flag. It's about police brutality and a lack of accountability and justice when the police start popping off uh, unarmed black and brown citizens of this country. But there's no need to go back into that debate. We're grown. The people who decide that that's still their narrative, that's just what they choose to see because they don't want to see anything else. That's just the bottom line of it. You just don't want to see anything else if, you, if you're still holding on to that damn flag thing. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Um, moving on from that. Um, but I want to defend Jerry on the word grace because he said he wanted to have grace for both sides. And I and as a businessman, I get that. My only problem is, and it's really not my problem, it's really Jerry's problem. It, it ain't my problem at all. But the, the problem that Jerry's going to have with this is that that's pie-in-the-sky thinking. That's not reality. You can't play the fence on everything. It sounds to me like he wants to come up with a plan that he has not formed yet that's going to appease people who want to kneel and people who uh, want to... Um, uphold the the respect and the reverence for the flag and have people stand for it regardless um which is anti-american by the way um you can't please both sides jerry people are too dug in on this for you to try to please both sides if you try to to please both sides you're going to wind up having both sides turn on you because it don't work like that like something of this nature we can put right up there with with religion and by that, I mean this. Um, the way that I was raised, the way that I was brought up generationally, I can't imagine a scenario. I can't imagine anything that any random person, stranger, friend, or foe could, could come up to me to convince me to not believe in God and become an atheist. I'm dug in on that. I'm 44 and, and nine-tenths way in on that. I, there's, there's not a way that you're going to get me to... to to not uphold the values that I was taught about God. This is not. And the thing is, it's not that I don't that I can't coexist or cohabitate with atheists. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure I do it on a daily basis. You know, your salvation is your is your issue, your responsibility, not mine. I still love you. But you're not gonna get me to turn atheist. And just like most people that that feel the certain way that they do about social injustice, you're not gonna get them to just all all of a sudden say, Oh yeah, let's just stand. You're right. You're right, Jimmy. It's the flag overall. <laughs> it's the flag overall. And I love how people put God and country together like like God is only the God of the United States. <laughs> like you do you know God formed the whole world, don't you? You know <laughs> He's not partially rooting for us. <laughs> Let's stop that as I digress. Don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But that that just that's hilarious how we always put God and country together as if God is American. <laughs> right, as if, as if he roots for us in the World Cup. <laughs> we came along a long time after Adam and Eve, so I don't know about that. But anyway, 
Jerry, you're not going to be able to convince both sides. And just like you can't convince the the BLM to to stand for the anthem, you're not going to convince these people who want to to down that hill about the flag to uh, to to understand an okay people kneeling because that's just where they want to be dug in because it's just that's just who they are generationally. Just like I brought up the 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 um the metaphor about me turning atheist, it just ain't gonna happen. And you're religious and you're Christian. Can you imagine anything that I could possibly say to you to make you denounce God today? No. <laughs> I love you, Paul, but get the hell out of here. You can shut the hell up and S-Y-A-D with that one, Paul. That's what you would tell me. <laughs> That's exactly what you would tell me. So I get it. People are dug in on both sides. I'm not saying one side is right and one side is wrong. I'm saying if you try to appease both, you're going to have problems here in Dallas. Why do I say that? Because I have proof. You know I don't come to you without no receipts. You know I got receipts. You know I keep a receipt in my pocket. Just the other day, FC Dallas was right up, right down the street in Frisco. Had their first game in front of fans. One of the players decided to kneel for the anthem. He was booed and they threw items on the field from the stands. He was booed. And they threw items on the field from the stands. So, Jerry, you want to multiply that that little minuscule crowd times 10,000, and that'll be about the amount of people that they'll allow in your stadium, which is across the street at AT&T. Um, you, you think those same people going to get in there and, and clap and cheer if they see one player kneeling? Do you think the people that's pro-BLM are going to applaud you if you make them all stand with their, with their toe on the line and hand over the heart? No. What is going to be your compromise? <laughs> you can only pull that we all kneel before the, the flag, I mean the anthem thing, once. You can do that once. <laughs> I don't know how many more times you can do that, bruh. You can't, you're not going to be able to please everybody on this. So as an owner, then you have to make a decision. What's it going to be? Who, like, you know, don't do this, play it down the middle, I'll see how it works. No. Be a man of your convictions. It's your team. If you tell them that they got to stand and then if they don't, then there's consequences, then damn it, let the players deal with the consequences. If you want to tell the fans, hey, I've given my players the leverage to, to, to express themselves and to protest if they need be, and if you don't like it, you can stay home, just say that. Because they, they'll stay home, but they'll be watching. They'll be complaining to somebody in their family while they're clutching the beer in their recliner, watching the Cowboys. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about that player. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about that. <sighs> Coming up in hour number two, we're going to jump over on Facebook Live. You can follow my public Facebook account. My name is Paul Coulter. That's my government name. That's C-O-L-T-E-R. First name, Paul, P-A-U to the L. You come look me up. It's a beautiful picture of me and my mama standing in her driveway, and I'm decked out in a Titans jersey. As I look down at my own chest and I'm decked out in a Titans jersey today. So come on over and join me on Facebook Live. I still want to keep you here on uh, FBRN.us so you can join the party aspect of it with the music and all and the fanfare. You can um, just kind of turn it on your phone and, and, and keep, it, uh, keep it playing. Keep it rolling. We got a heavy, heavy, heavy hour of NBA action um, coming up in uh, the, the next hour, the next segment or so. I'm going to give you a breakdown of the NFC I'm sorry, I said NFC. I'm sorry. I'm going to give you a breakdown of the Western and Eastern Conference playoffs with my predictions. That's all coming up.
See you after we pay just a couple of bills. It's your boy, The Extra Point. She got that good, good. She Michael Jackson bad. I'm attracted to her, but her attractive bird. And now we murderers because we kill time. I knock her lights out and she still shine. I hate to see her go, but I love to watch her leave. But I keep her running back and forth. Soccer team, cold as a winter's day. Hot as the summer's eve. Young money thieves, steal your love and leave. I like the way you walking if you walk in my way. I'm that Red Bull, now let's fly away. Let's buy a place with all kind of space. I let you be the judge, and, and, and I'm the case. I'm gutter, gutter, I put her under. I see me with her, no Stevie Wonder. She don't even wonder, cause she knows she bad. And I got a grocery bag. But I can't meet you in the lobby Girl, I gotta watch my bag Cause I'm not just anybody I seen them stand in line Just to get beside her I let her see the Aston And let the rest surprise her That's when we disappear And you need GPS to find her Oh, that was your girl I thought I recognized her Ooh, baby I be stuck to you like glue Baby Wanna spend it all on you Watching that oxygen, I'm watching ESPN. But when that show ends, she all on my skin, lotion, slow emotions, roller coaster, like back and forth. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. She posed like it's for posters, and I poke like I'm supposed to. Take this photo if you for me. She said, Don't you ever show this. I'm too loyal and too focused to be losing and be hopeless. When I spoke this, she rejoiced it. Said your words give me open, so I closed it. Where your clothes is, I'm only loving for the moment. Uh, she ain't got a man, but she's not alone. Miss Independent, yeah, she got her own. Hey, gorgeous, um, I mean flawless. Well, that's what you are, how I see it is, how I call it. Yeah, look at how she walk, mm, she know she bad. You do your thing, baby, I ain't even mad. And I ain't even fast, I'ma stay a while. Hold your head, Chris. I'm a trickle jerk. Ooh, 
the Flintstone. I can make your bed rock. 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 I can make your bed Fishbowl Radio Network has your cure for the summertime blues with our new kids show experience. A fun and creative way for parents to interact with their children. Your kids can become radio hosts for a day and have their show aired over the largest internet radio platform in the world. Right here at our beautiful facility at Globe Life Park where the Rangers play. Spots are limited. So call us now at 817-633-4880 to secure yours. The kids show experience. Jump in. Podcasters and internet radio hosts, it's time to take your show to the next level. Hi, my name is Sammy G, a 30-plus year radio broadcasting veteran, public speaker, and voiceover artist. And for the last 11 years, now the proud owner of Fishbowl Radio Network, the largest and most listened to streaming platform and radio station facility of its kind. Two years ago, I created a proprietary system to help podcasters and internet radio hosts learn how to program their show like the pros, build a constantly growing and loyal fan base, and monetize their show. I teach this system every six weeks via Zoom to individuals all over the world. The Behind the Mic Masterclass is six one-hour classes that will finally take your show to the next level. Call today, 817-633-4880, 817-633-4880, and reserve your seat for the next Behind the Mic Masterclass. Yo, it's your man, Young Strip, a.k.a. Mr. Las Vegas, and I'm here to tell you right now, if you want extra in life, you got to go the extra mile. Log on to The Extra Point with P.L. Coulter every Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. That's the what? The Extra Point. You get it. You know, like when you're watching football, basketball, baseball, it's all about sports, all about bangers that you're not going to want to miss. That's The Extra Point with your man, P.L. Coulter, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time every Friday, right here on Fishbowl Radio Network inside Globe Life Park. Wow. Yeah. Uh. I can't deny it. I'm a fucking rider. You don't wanna fuck with me. Yeah. Got skills in the trunk with me. Okay. Switching lanes to a buck with me. That's right. Y'all can't deny it. I'm a fucking rider. You don't wanna bang with me. Yeah. And you know I brought my gang with me. Okay. Trip, I got my thing with yeah. me. Cowards get it, they still wonder how I did it Now y'all with it, these busters see how I spit it Huh, these chickens see how I kid it You can hear my pooper block away, skios be yelling Let me ride like they snooping Dr. Dre I keep spitting, them cocks on the Cali coast Keep sitting, with zip locks to that Cali drone Keep hitting, the shit blocks for that Cali dough Keep getting, my tip rock at the Cali show it's William Bonnie, still a mommies Dance closely, even though they feel like limeys I ain't tryna send police to your rest I'm tryna put this piece to your chest And you in peace with the rest You can release to the press This how G's ride from the north to the south To the east to the west, let's go Y'all can't deny it, I'm a f***ing rider You don't wanna f*** with me Yeah, got skills in the trunk with me Okay, switching lanes to a buck with me That's right Y'all can't deny it, I'm a f***ing rider You don't wanna with me. 
the name's fabulous, you heard I be in them trucks with the wheels glist, and VIP with buckets of chill Chris. Click, click, try your luck, you gon' feel this. I still got them blocks moving in the system in my truck that can make it feel like the blocks moving on six fours with the wheels and the shots moving. When boys in blue with the shields and the moving, you can't deny. I'm the same OG. The Gooch frames got the same gold G. Duke in your frame O3. Cause if you see me on your corner with a 40, it ain't gon' be named OE. I might be in Chuck T's or the Chuckers. And if you're Duck Cheese, I'm a plucker. Duck these motherfuckers get fabulous. Know that I ride till I die. I'm hollering 187 when I ride through the side. Fool. Y'all can't deny it. I'm a fucking rider. You don't wanna with me. Yeah. Got skills in the trunk with me. Okay. Switching lanes to a buck with me. That's right. Y'all can't deny it. I'm a fucking rider. You don't wanna bang with me. Yeah. And you know I brought my gang with me. Okay. Trip, I got my thing with me. It really ain't that hard to get fucked up. It's really quite easy. Just step up. I'm gonna knock him so hard on his butt. Just like he been drinking. Like he drunk. The fat thing stood up. Just stood up. She about to be singing. Turn it up. You won't get the thing. No, you won't. You're too busy sleeping. Don't wake up. You can't the kid pull a four out a little quicker. You might end up the reason your homies will have to pour out a little liquor. Every stack that I draws out a little thicker. I get brain, kick the horse out a little quicker. You kids rap, that's cool. But the kids rap, then jewels. The kid clap, that too. Kid clap, that fool. You don't wanna wake up getting told that your kids trap, that's cool. When the time's right, I'ma put this right to the left side of your head. Push your mind right. It's still nothing but a G thing I thought you knew. And I'm about to do the numbers that they thought you do. Still don't know me, still jumping the legs. The chain so icy, I got chill bumps on my neck. The knocks heard, how the krill's pumping the jacks. Still bumping your deck, still dumping the text. Still, y'all can't deny it. I'm a rider. You don't wanna with me. Yeah, got skills in the trunk with me. Okay, switching lanes to a buck with me. That's right. Y'all can't deny it. I'm a rider. You don't wanna bang with me. Yeah, and you know I brought my gang with me. Okay. I got my thing with me That's You can read all about it, but let my boy PL tell you about it. Extra point, yeah, yeah. Extra point. Extra point, yeah, yeah. Extra point. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to our number two of the Extra Point Show. Your host, Mr. PL Coulter, coming to you as I do each and every Friday from 11 to 1. That's AM to PM. Getting you to and through your lunch break on a beautiful Friday afternoon here in Arlington, Texas. Sitting here chilling in Globe Life Park in Studio C at Fishbowl Radio Network. Make sure you log on to FBRN.us. Log on and keep it here. Your boy is about to talk a lot of basketball. Jumped on Facebook Live for our number two. Shouts out to everybody checking in on Facebook Live. Shouts out to the hometown Cashville, Tennessee. Repping my Titans, get a day thinking about the hometown. What's up, Steph? What's up, Mama? I love y'all. 
Hope y'all having a great day. Hope you're having a great day in Facebook land. Hope you're having a great day across the world as you listen to the extra point. Now, I got a couple of um, programming notes uh, for the peeps. First of all, I want to send a shout out to Marcus Stone of the Unapologetic Hustle. Uh, your boy will be a guest on his show tomorrow right here on FBRN.us. Uh, tomorrow afternoon from 11 to 1, that's a.m. to p.m. You know how we get down. Uh, shouts out uh, to him for that. And coming up after the extra point, make sure you keep it right here. I got, we got a new show. It's called The Mix Show. It's uh, my homie DJ Mix is going to come through and bless y'all with some more hip-hop and R&B. It's going to be a three-hour party by the time he's done with you. Make sure you keep it locked here on FBRN.us for the mix show that's coming on right after the extra point. I'm going to go ahead and set them up on the tee for you, DJ Mix. Make sure you come through and keep them heads bobbing as I dip on out and get ready for work. Um, The NBA bubble. The NBA bubble. <laughs> can, we just, can we show some love? For the NBA bubble, I'm sorry, um, Adam Silver, I bow it down to you, sir. You did a phenomenal job uh, with this NBA bubble. Um, zero positive COVID cases still at this late stage of the game. I think that's the most pressing and important point uh, to reason to give praise to the NBA. Uh, second of all, it's just been some fascinating, entertaining basketball all around uh, the board. The, the bubble started off with an epic matchup for the King of L.A. between Kawhi and LeBron, where that shot, uh, the game came down to a final shot to where LeBron locked up not only uh, Paul George, but Kawhi on the final possession as he walked off and grabbed his crown. And I'm not talking about Royal. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's the King, damn it. And then all the way down to the, to the race for number eight, that goes down to the last, the, literally, the play-in participants came down to the last second, the last shot of the last game for all four participants in the race. How, how can it get any better than that? <laughs> how can it get any better than that? I mean, the stars showing up and playing like stars. You have unsung heroes all over the place. You had teams that supposedly didn't have a shot playing out of their minds. Um, nobody was in there um, basically dogging it or tanking it. Everybody was in there hooping and balling, uh, getting that thing done. Um, the entertainment value, there was no lack of it uh, with no fans in the stands. I even started getting a kick out of the um, like the little electronic people they had in there. Yesterday's game in Memphis, they had Zebo sitting in the, st- <laughs> in the stands. I ain't mad at that. Shouts out to the NBA uh, for that. The bubble itself was great. Um I wouldn't even be opposed to an annual playoff bubble. Now, just hear me out here. An annual playoff bubble to where the the season goes on and plays their their their, their seventy games or whatnot, um, and then for the last twelve games, you know, you 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 do this play and jump off. I thought it was very fair because at the end of the day, the eighth and ninth place teams made the play in tournament which is Portland and Memphis. Congratulations uh, to them, um, and shouts out to them for that. Uh, they made the play-in uh, tournament. It, it was just fascinating. I want to go ahead and, um, before I get into the, any any more as far as the playoff matchups themselves, I just wanted to go ahead and give out uh, my bubble awards. This is PL's Bubble 
Oh, awards. Yes, only here on the Extra Point Show. Now, um, my first team, all bubble team, goes as this. We're going to go with three guards, and then we're going to go with two forwards. Uh, guard number one, Damian Lillard. We're going to get into a little bit more of him um, as the show progresses in hour number two. Damian Lillard, um, he's NBA first team all bubble. Luka Doncic, Dallas's very own assassin from Europe. He is definitely a first team all NBA bubble player. TJ Warren, uh, shooting forward, small forward for the Indiana Pacers. He went off. He actually made a name for himself. At first, he was just a guy that that uh, um, you, you, the crazy dude in Miami. Well, <laughs> I can't even think of his name right now. Um, what's that guy's name in my Jimmy Butler? The, the, he was known as the guy that Jimmy Butler blew that kiss at, being just totally disrespectful to that grown man. He went off. He was having 50, 60 point games in the bubble. He makes my NBA All Bubble First Team. Um, Michael Porter Jr. Came off the scrap heap, highly touted rookie who who hadn't seen much action. Um, we know when he was drafted a couple of years ago because he had a lingering back issue, but now he was in the bubble. He was playing out of his mind for the Denver Nuggets. And last but not least, um, we got to show some love to Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns. While they did not qualify for the play-in game, damn it, the man, the, the, the Suns went 8-0 and in the bubble. The only undefeated team in the bubble. Who would have guessed going into the bubble that the only undefeated team in the bubble would be the Phoenix Suns? Shouts out to them. He was averaging over 35 points a game uh, during a large stretch of that run. They knocked off several notable teams along the way. I think they even beat Dallas twice. Um, Played out of their minds. The thing is they took full advantage of what the bubble was there for to give you a chance. Ran it down from three and a half games um, they, they were really they were like four and a half, five games back of Memphis, and going into last night, they were a Karis Levert uh, buzzer beater away from being the the ninth seed in the play-in tournament. <laughs> Logo Lillard, as great as he's been, was one missed shot away from walking out out the bubble today. Just so much drama. In the LBC, shouts out to the NBA bubble for that. That was fantastic. We're going to keep on with our NBA bubble awards. Um, Our bubble rookie of the year was none other than Ja Morant. None other than one Ja Morant. Where would we be without you? Uh, Sitting home outside the bubble if you're a Grizzlies fan. So, shouts out to Ja Morant. He averaged 20, 10 assists. And five rebounds uh, on the eight-game stretch um, led a depleted roster, at least to hold on, to fend off several other um, worthy opponents to to grab a, a spot in the ninth seed and the playing tournament uh, this weekend. The kid had a triple-double yesterday in a must-win game against Milwaukee. If they didn't get it done, they being Memphis, then they were going home as well. And, yes, I know Giannis didn't play because he headbutted somebody, but Milwaukee's still Milwaukee. And Ja and the center, Jonas Valanciunas, dropped triple dubs on their head. Shouts out to the Grizzlies for basically winning a play- playoff game for me. As a Grizzlies fan, the most deplorable, despicable, embarrassing thing would have been to blow the lead and not even finish ninth. When this thing started, nobody thought that Memphis would, hold, would, would extend a three-and-a-half game lead over Portland. 
that those two were figured to be the ones that, that do the play-in tournament, and those two wound up being the ones that did the play-in tournament. So I'm okay with that. Now, is Memphis better than Portland? We'll get into that in the next segment. I may have a shocking revelation for you there. Bubble MVP, that man logo Lillard. Uh, Mr. Damian Lillard. Logo uh, Lillard. <laughs> did you see the shot he pulled up last night in the fourth quarter? With Portland down seven. He, he like took a couple of dribbles over half court and launched it. Dead aim, splash. Cut the lead to four right then. I was like, uh-oh, we're going to be the ninth seed. So, shouts out to Logo Lillard scoring 154 points over the last three games. All must wins. After everybody ridiculed him for missing two crucial free throws against uh, Patrick Beverly and uh, Paul George and the Clippers, he single-handedly willed his team, drug him kicking and screaming into the playing tournament. So, congratulations to him. He's definitely the MVP of the bubble. The bubble coach of the year. Um, the coach of the bubble was Monty Williams. Ain't no the Suns had no business even being invited to Orlando. And not only did he give them, uh, keep them prepared and ready to play, but they were competitive. They, they fought hard until the very end. And they did the only thing that you can do when you're presented an opportunity like that. Win. They took zero L's. They won every single game. I can't be mad at that. So congratulations to them on that. Um, the, the race for nine though that was some fascinating and and going back to what i said about maybe we can keep this bubble going what i mean by that is maybe not so much a play-in to where after 82 games you got people in 9th 10th 11th 12th place they got a losing record hell no we're not doing that again covid bought them some time because they didn't get to finish an entire season but if they're able to finish an entire season even if they have to do the season in the bubble next year um, when when COVID is done and we can go back to our our normal lives, I wouldn't be opposed to a uh, an NCAA style NBA bubble playoff, um, like uh, carnival. <laughs> Let's call it that. Where okay, if, if there's a play in game between eight and nine, I will I will concede eight and nine. If if eight is within uh, two or, two or three games of nine, then yeah, let them have a, a best two out of three series. Have that played at the at the the eighth seeds home home court. Have that be determined. But then when we start the NBA playoffs, let's do this thing in a bubble. Put all the teams in one arena and move them around the country. Have the first the first round of, of the playoffs could be in Dallas. The second round could be in L.A. Third round in Madison Square Garden. Have the NBA finals somewhere. I think that could be great fanfare to have all those superstars in one place and then we'll have fans in the stands. You could charge an exorbitant amount of money for playoff tickets if you got that kind of lineup. I mean, the NCAA tickets aren't cheap for the Final Four. Think about it if it's the Eastern and Western Conference playoffs coming to town, coming to Vegas, coming to Miami, coming to Chicago, coming to one of those one of these major markets, say Houston. Come on now. It, 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 the AT&T Center can handle the Eastern and Western Conference playoffs. Give me LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis, all in the same building. Sign me up for that. I ain't mad at that at all. So, shouts out to the NBA, for real. Like, shouts out to them for doing a phenomenal job with the NBA bubble, keeping the players safe, putting a, a viable, watchable product out on the court. Uh, there wasn't a ton of injuries that, de- that derailed everything. I think that they did this perfectly. As close as you can get to a flawless execution of something, this was flawlessly executed. Shouts out to the NBA for that. And um, 
When we come back, I'm going to give you my thoughts on the Western Conference playoff matchups. And we'll do that. After a little throwback, Big Thomas, let's go. the extra point show shouts out to my nephew kenny man he says lebron james goat james i'm a shannon sharp voice <laughs> what did he say goat man goat man yeah that's me 
<laughs> Shouts out to Marcus Stone again. You catch me and Marcus tomorrow from 11 to 1. That's a.m. to p.m. on the Unapologetic Hustle. I am humbled, nervous, excited, all rolled into one to go do a road game uh, with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Stone. Can't wait to see what he has in store for us. Make sure you all catch that. He said, uh, you had Keith Sweat crying for you earlier because the, the conference said no football. Man, did not owe. I might have to drop Jodeci Cry for you as, as the outro. <laughs> Just so, make sure you hit us up on FBRN.us tomorrow. You know, uh, he's come through and, and blessed us with some gems um, over the last month. And so we're going to return the favor, go show some love on his show. Make sure y'all check that out. Um, Yeah, I was crying o- over the football, but you about to be crying now. And I want to I get everybody on Facebook Live uh, to uh, check in. I'm going to get your predictions Live on the air as well because we're about to get into the Western Conference playoffs. But before we do, we have to back up and digress for a second because tomorrow afternoon at 1.30 p.m. Central, the play-in tournament begins between the eighth-seeded Portland Trailblazers and the ninth-seeded Memphis Grizzlies. Now, in the regular season, they split their series. Um, no, actually, they play one game. Memphis smoked Portland, and um, Damon Lillard was getting beat up so bad in the pick-and-roll by John Morant that he played like he had a hamstring injury and exited the game midway through the third quarter. Yes, he did. He ran from Ja. Now, he did get his revenge in the in the opening of the bubble. They played on the opening night of the bubble, and, and Portland won in overtime. Memphis blew a nine-point lead in the fourth quarter. Carmelo Anthony hit a back-breaking three to send that game into overtime. What's going to happen on Saturday and Sunday? This is my prediction. With with the ninth seed Memphis Grizzlies needing two wins to advance over Portland just needing one, I think the Grizzlies push a game, um, uh, an elimination game uh, to Sunday. I think they get it done on Saturday. Logo Lillard is just too much, though. The, the role that he's on right now, even as a Memphis fan, I'm not betting a dime or a dollar that we're going to sweep them Saturday and Sunday. So I have Memphis pushing it and making it close before ultimately bowing out on Sunday and uh, Portland advancing to the first round of the playoffs to meet LeBron. Now, as we're going to go ahead and start there as the King goes on for his quest for number four. Um, and shouts out to my nephew, Kenny. You're right. Goat man, goat man. Yeah, that's me. And I'm glad that he's here because he's the only other person that has the, the, the courage of his convictions to publicly state that LeBron James is the greatest player to ever lace him up. Whether you're lacing up Jordans, whether you're lacing up Converse, whether you're lacing up the A.I. shoes, the, the Tracy McGrady's, the, the Yao Ming O2s, whatever. But we're going to get into that later. Now, the winner of, of this play-in game, <laughs> oh, Dame Dollar. Damn a Dame Dollar. I was so mad. Hold on. I was so mad. Yesterday, when Karis LaVerse missed that game-winning shot, I wanted Dame to go home. Memphis would have been the eighth seed and needed one victory out of two tries over Phoenix. Well, here we are. I got I got Logo Lillard and them advancing in, in, um, in on Sunday to meet the King. Now, the only difference between my prediction uh, in the first round for the Western Conference between Memphis and Portland is a game. It's just one game. Now, I had I, I would have had uh, Los Angeles sweeping Memphis in four straight. Four straight quick games, too. <laughs> we would have got ushered right on up out the bubble. Here you go. Get on out of here. It, it was cool. Y'all cool. 
But y'all got the role. Now, Logo Lillard, he's he's erratic enough um, to get it done. Now, to one more thing on, on the play-in tournament. I want y'all to remember I told y'all this when y'all watched these games this weekend because Marcus Stone's show ends at 1 o'clock and the play-in tournament starts at 1.30. Come on, somebody. Can I get some church organs? Talk about a great Saturday. <laughs> I'm running off the show and running straight to somebody's bar or tavern. Who's showing the game? <laughs> I will be there. Um, th- that matchup between 8 and 9 is going to be the resistible force versus the movable object. Portland has the worst defense in the whole bubble, and Memphis has one of the worst offenses. So there you go. So when you have that going, you have to go with the best player, and that's Damian Lillard. But when he goes up against the King, starting on Monday, when the playoffs start on Monday, when he goes up against the King, he's going to get knotted up. Knotted up. Now, I'm not buying into this this no more Dame Lillard stuff. He does this every year. Every year around playoff time, he gets it, gets it in gear, and they start playing good. And then when they get to, to play the big boys, they get ran out the building. The man ain't been close, nowhere close to no NBA Finals. And the, I heard the other day that Steph Curry is 10-0 against him in the playoffs. 10-0? Come on, man. Let's stop it. I got the Lakers beating Portland in five. Portland will get one game where Lillard goes off and Anthony Davis has a bad game or something because LeBron ain't having no bad performances in the bubble. That's just not going to happen. So I got the the Lakers in five. All right, we have the second seed Clippers taking on the seventh seed hometown Dallas Mavericks. Now, uh, get your popcorn ready for this because there's going to be points uh, plenty in this matchup. But uh, of all of the thing is for 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 as good as Dallas has been all season offensively being the the most offensively efficient team being one of the highest scoring teams having arguably one of the best young players in the in the entire world and Luka Doncic on the team and a serviceable Robin and Kristaps Porzingis they got a terrible draw a terrible draw and the and, and here's the the thing that that could make this thing get ugly and I mean super ugly um Dallas is one of the worst teams in the league, let alone just the bubble, in closing out close games. And there are no more clutch situation players than Kawhi Leonard when it comes to pressure moments. And you have Doc Rivers, and you have a better Robin in, in Paul George. I'll take Paul George over Chris Porzingis seven times a week and twice on Sunday. That's just what it is. Defensively, offensively, you get Montrezl Harrell back. You got your, your, your the wingman, what's his name? Um, Lou Williams. Lou Wing Williams, he's back. They're deep. Now, I love me some Rich, uh, Rick Carlisle, coach of the Mavs. He's one of the best coaches in the league still. Um, but that's going to be a, a route as well. I think Dallas may get one because of Luka's just that special. So I think Dallas gets one out of that. I got the Clippers and five. Now, here's one that, that I'm really getting my popcorn ready for. The third seed, Houston Rockets versus the sixth seed, OKC Thunder. Now, this particular first-round series has more storylines than keeping up with the damn Kardashians. I mean, like, where do you, where do you want to start? Do we want to start with Russell Wilson taking, I mean, Ru- Russell Westbrook taking on his own team, old team in the Thunder? Do we want to start with Thunder point guard Chris Paul taking on his old team in, in Houston? Where he was considered the scapegoat, he didn't get along with 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 um, um, James Harden. James Harden had him ran up out of there. 
everybody thought that when 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 OKC uh, gave up um, Westbrook to Houston last year, got all those picks back, that they would be one of the worst teams in the league. Chris Paul said, "Hold my beer," and 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 they're playing phenomenal. And th- there's no love loss between any of these players. Remember when um, Chris Paul hated uh, Austin Rivers, <laughs> who plays for the Houston Rockets now. <laughs> Marcus said he's going with State Farm. They have coverage. How many games, Marcus? Let's get this on the record. We on wax. I got the lock talk on. The, the little green light is popping. How many games you got there with Marcus? I'm going with, um, um. oh, to see, here's the tricky thing about the Houston OKC series. Russell Westbrook has a has an injured quad, and he's not going to be available for the start of that playoff series. They said depending on how he recovers, um, will determine when he comes back. If so, Kenny Man says he has OKC. Um, if, if Westbrook doesn't come back, I still think that Harding versus Paul. I think Harding has enough to get it done uh, overall. Maybe in seven games, I think it would be tough. Of what five games, Marcus? You got OKC in five games. Such little respect for the beard. James Harden ain't gonna let that. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> five games. Wow. Um, okay, all right, we, we, we see you with the five games. I am worried about Houston, though. I'm worried about Houston and that small ball because guess who else can play small ball? OKC. OKC can take um, uh, Steven Adams out of the middle and run uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. They can run uh, uh, Gallinari. They've got some pieces. They <laughs> they got some pieces, and, and Chris Paul is the unquestioned leader because he's got a team full of uh, young people. Yes, um, Harden does disappear in the playoffs. That's why I don't have them being successful long-term. I do have them squeaking out of the first round um, in seven, but just barely, only to await the Lakers who's going to bust their head wide open to the white meat. Um, But, yeah, make sure you keep an eye on that um, because Harden, he does disappear in the playoffs. Chris Paul, um, it's just hard to count him out. It's very, very hard to count him out. Plus he has, um, like I said, he's got State Farm Insurance. In the 4-5 matchup, we have the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. Now, this is the, the matchup that they'll put on early on NBA Network, if I had to guess. <laughs> OKC, I don't know if they have the better team, Marcus, but they are playing better right now. Now, with Denver and Utah, these are two teams that, that are playing well. You have uh, the Battle of the Big Men, Nikola Jokic for Denver. We have uh, uh, Rudy Gobert for um, for Utah. We also have uh, a matchup between some great point guards, I mean shooting guards, um, with um, Gary, well not Gary Harris, we'll say um, uh, Murray, Murray from Denver, and the Spider-Man Mitchell from Utah. So there's some intriguing matchups going along. I think that the absence of Bogdanovich is going to hurt uh, Utah ultimately. Denver is just loaded. They're deep. And and now they have um, um, Porter Jr., Michael Porter Jr. playing out of his mind. It's like they go 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 deep. They don't even have a, a like a playoff roster. Everybody plays. I think it's going to be an entertaining series. I like Denver's depth and their defense to ultimately prevail. I have Denver in six on that one. All right, so we're, we're, we're moving along here. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to get into the Eastern Conference first-round matchups and my thoughts on that, and we'll get to that right after a little throwback. Brett and Jermaine Dupree. It's the extra point.
for your G. It's the B R A T. Putting a dip in your hip from right to left. And on top of all that, I'm so, so deaf. Boy, yo, that's my cut. Hey, homie, that's who I rose with. And we kick nothing but the fetish. Them calls me the funkified, funkalistic, vocalistic that they ain't ready for. But they just don't hit me, though. Because we're so funkified. We make it move from side to side. We're coming straight from the 606 folk boat. Is the Brett and JD. Baby, so lay back and listen as I catch up on my pimp and then freak this duet just like Ashford and Simpson. Cause I'm Like that, and as a matter of fact, when it comes to the breath, tat tat tat, I make your neck snap back. Meaning I got the hit that'll get you bent. Tear the roof off this mother like Parliament. I'm on a rolling control like Janet. Damn it, branch of the funk bandit, and they can't handle it. That's why I keep hitting them with this grammar, letting all y'all know that I'm the real mamma jamma. Straight to the head like a chronic sack. I pass the mic to the brand. Yo, a pasted bag. Well, uh, sisters and fellas, it's time to get your groove on. I provide the both the five sounds to make you move on. Breaking these boots off proper like it's S-O-S-O-D-E-F dynamite. Coming up, coming up, coming up at you like Ralph K. And since this ain't no honeymoon, I'm here to stay. And the way we're coming at you, baby, we can't miss. There's a new tag team in town. To the Extra Point Show Your host Mr. P.L. Coulter Pleased and privileged to be with you Every Friday from 11 to 1 Next AM 2 PM Getting you to and through your lunch break On this feel good Friday I want to give a shout out To my man Michigan Mike Michael Hasso He says in regard to the traveling bubble Let's do it like an NIT for the pros Called simply The bubble Sign me up for that Mike <laughs> Sign me up for that, the, bring the traveling bubble to the greatest players alive on earth coming to a town near you battling for that trophy. I'm down with that. Now, on to the Eastern Conference playoffs. Now, these matchups are a little more predictable than in the Western Conference, but isn't that always the case? And y'all can't even blame it on LeBron this year. LeBron really going to make the West predictable because he's going to run roughshod through every single team. Even the Clippers, yeah, I said it. Even the Clippers. This is LeBron's tour for number four. Getting it done down there in Florida. All right, so we got the Milwaukee Bucks versus the eight-seed Orlando Magic. So what are we saying? Sweep? Can we break out the brooms? Giannis is going to be piping mad after after serving a one-game suspension for losing his cool and headbutting former Michigan great. Basketball player, Mr. Mo uh, Wagner. And um, I really think he should have been suspended for a playoff game, too. He ran down the court and, and speared that man in the head like he was the damn junkyard dog. 
I digress on that. I think Milwaukee has zero problems with Orlando. Orlando, um, y'all should be happy to be there and then just call that a day. Now, Toronto versus Brooklyn in the two versus seven seed, y'all, I don't know if y'all paid attention, but the Brooklyn Nets have been somewhat of a feisty, <laughs> feisty, feisty team. Uh, during during the bubble, you saw what they almost did to Logo Litter last night. Almost sent him home. Uh, they did beat Milwaukee. I think they beat the Clippers as well. They're doing this with their top like seven players, and I literally mean that their top seven players like out. K, no KD, no um, Kyrie, uh, no Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, no uh, DeAndre Jordan. Just players just leaving left and right, and they still in here the thumping people. They didn't lose any ground in the bubble. Nobody gained a game, on, a game on them, and they fought everybody pretty tough tooth and nail. Now, the only problem with them is they have a really bad matchup against uh, Toronto because Toronto is kind of like uh, Kawhi. They, I think they took on the identity of Kawhi and kept it this year. They're just a machine. They're just a machine. And, and Marcus is right. That underdog mentality is dangerous, especially when you have no home court to rally you. You notice how big leagues – are um are just dissipating because the crowd ain't keeping you going. <laughs> the big leagues is get just getting walked down. Like like, where are they doing that at? <laughs> so um, and and Karis Levert is a beast. Shouts off to Go Blue. See that's two Michigan players got got snuck in the segment there. Michigan Mike, ain't you proud of me? But Karis Levert. If they're playing team ball and they have that nothing to lose mentality, they could actually make this series tough enough to soften Toronto up in the next round. But we'll get to the next round um, in a, in about seven to ten days or so. But I like what I'm seeing from the Nets. They've done enough for me to at least watch this this series. And Marcus is right. Karis Levert is a superstar. Do y'all realize on that Michigan team that that um, that lost to Louisville in 2013, the NCAA championship? Karis Laverse was the sixth man off that team. He wasn't the national player of the year. That was um, uh, Trey Burke, who's logging big minutes and, and, and playing quality minutes for the Dallas Mavericks. That's three, Michigan Mike. We rolling. <laughs> we are rolling. Now, I'm going to call this next matchup. Oh, by the way, with that, even with all of that said, I got Toronto in six. Really, yeah, I got him in six. I think that, that Brooklyn might sneak out a couple of games. Um, the number three seed Boston Celtics versus the number six seed the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, usually when you're a three seed, you don't want to have to play a team like Philly in the first round. But I'm going to call this one the um, what's that guy's name? The Ben Simmons Bowl. This is the Ben Simmons Bowl for for Philadelphia. And if you Joel Embiid, you you do realize that y'all not winning a championship this year, so it's time to break up this duo. And you have every you have the last say. And putting something out there on tape that the team should be built around you and they need to ship off Simmons. Because the two can't coexist. When Ben Simmons is in the game, they got um, Joel Embiid standing out there on the outside looking like Chris Stapps Porzingis. And while he's a serviceable uh, um, shooter from the outside, he's not great. Not, not a knockdown shooter. When there is no Ben Simmons, he plays the more natural five position that can bring his big men out, into the po- out of the post to the three-point line. So... Um, Philly can be dangerous. They still have Richardson. They still have an old Al Horford. I don't like their coaching. 
Um, I think Boston ultimately is the better, deeper team, and they're the, the better coach team, so I think that they will pull it out. But I think Philadelphia will give them a run for their money and make it um, even more uh, of a of a show than, than it should be. I'm going to say um, Boston in six, maybe even seven on that. And last but not least, this is the one matchup in the first round in the East that I'm looking forward to that I want to watch every game. That's the number four seed Miami Heat versus number five seed Indiana Pacers. And it's only for one reason. Give me seven whole games of, of uh, Jimmy Butler versus T.J. Warren because they're both lethal. They both hate each other. And they both have to go through one another to get to the second round of the playoffs. I mean, what, what better intrigue do you want than that? Can, does it get any better than that? Can I interest you in that? In my Shannon Sharp voice. Can I interest you in that? That's going to be a hell of a series, and I think it's going seven. And if we're going seven games with it, I think it's going to be a back-and-forth battle between Warren and between um, Jimmy Buckets. But I believe that I'm going to go with Eric Spolstra when it comes down to a game seven. So I got the Heat in seven um, advancing out of the first round of the playoffs. Now, my weekend ain't done here at FBRN.us. Make sure that you tune in uh, to the Unapologetic Hustle tomorrow. At 11, in less than 24 hours, I'm going to be on there talking um, talking whatever he wants to talk about. I, I'm, I'm braced and ready. I'm excited. Uh, he has a huge following on his show. So uh, I'm, I'm uh, excited to, to come and be a part of that. A little bit nervous, but very excited. Make sure y'all catch me there. Um, now, coming up next is the Mix Show with my man DJ Mix. So at the 1 o'clock hour, make sure y'all keep it here. Go get you all a refresher, some popcorn, a drink, a beverage. And then come on back here at FBRN.us. And check out um, the uh, the new show we got coming on behind me, the mix show. It's going to be more hip hop and R and B throwback bangers coming your way, and it'll be coming your way here in just a few minutes. I'm going to go ahead and slide up out of here to make way for the man. Marcus Stone says he's concurs with the Heat and Seven. Let's see what we agree about tomorrow on the Unapologetic Hustle. Until then, much love, peace. Extra, extra, you could read all about it, but let my boy PL tell you about it. Extra point, yeah, yeah, extra point, extra point, yeah, yeah, extra point.